All right, Dana says she's ready. Um, Dana, we uh, dedication time. So what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Uh, I dedicate this episode to my Nana, who passed away years ago, but she um, was always just the biggest supporter of myself, my sisters, my cousins. She just, um, yeah, she just always loved when we did the things we loved to do. Yeah. And I know that if she were alive still today, she would be applauding me still and... um, Coming to the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So she just, there's a lot of really happy memories with her. And she's one of the strongest women I know, one of the fighters that took life, you know. And um, yeah, so this is, this is for her. Wonderful. Let's start the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. Paul Filmcast with your host, Nick Palatichuk. Each episode, Nick interviews filmmakers and other artists from the Twin Cities area. I'm Carly Palillo, and thanks for listening, and thanks for finding us. Please give us a review, and feel free to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And now, lights, camera, action. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm Nick, and today with me is... Dana Gilbertson. Now, it's Dana, everybody, yes. not Dana. I've actually done it to you when I first met you. We met at a film set. I think yeah. it was Nathan Block's film set. It was. Film set. I was an extra that day. Were you an extra there? Mm-hmm. Well, no wonder you went off. And I thought you just, I was <laughs> over bombarding the conversation and you left me. But no. <laughs> you were there to actually work and I was yeah. there to socialize. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was it. That's where we met. That yeah. is where we met. How did you get involved with that first? With that one? Uh, that film? Yeah. Uh, I've known Nathan Block before. I worked on some films with him. And uh, he, I knew he and Wes we're doing this one together. I think it was the first one that Wes, Wes and him wrote. I yeah. think Wes wrote it. Wes, yeah, Wesley. he wrote. Yeah, and um, I can't remember if it was through Wes. Maybe it was Laura actually, but it, he was looking for extras, and so then Laura or Nathan, someone on that film, asked me if I was free and wanted to do it, and I said, yeah. Yes. Well, thanks for coming <laughs> to the show. This is the first time we've had you. Yes. Um, you primarily do writing. Is that yes. kind of the, the writing and then, but you also do acting, modeling, and you've, I think we'll get to Hidden Falls in a minute here, mm-hmm. which you've done directing it right as well, right? I, I did a little bit of directing, mostly what I'm most known for, I guess, currently is assistant director, actually. All right. Um, but my, my major passions are writing, directing, um, trying to get back into acting and modeling is a newer one. I grew up watching America's Next Top Model, but <laughs> recently... Yeah. Uh, it's it's been a recent thing that I've been dabbling into since I've discovered that it it's is entirely here. it's really real people don't understand modeling it is a discipline you it have is to train all the time yeah it is kind of like you're telling a story with one single shot mm-hmm. movies can take an hour to tell a story but with modeling you almost with a single shot frame exactly with costuming and posing yeah. and everything it yeah. is time, kind well of modeling thing. is you don't there's no dialogue or anything it's all it's stills and silent stills of mm-hmm. like your body and what you're wearing and your facial expressions it's very challenging in that fact actually so with hidden falls yes and you have to tell me a little bit more because i'm very intrigued i've been following you on instagram mm-hmm. and i just don't really know much about it and that's just i liked how we're gonna have because i don't want to do a lot more research because i don't want to like popcorn questions just overall like a lot of people i'm not understand what mm-hmm. is hidden falls if you can just explain it to us hidden falls is a uh, an eight-episode fantasy series that okay. was 
Yes, it was written by uh, Abby Day, who um, it was just an idea that she had and she wrote it. And then people that she knew made it possible to produce it and film it. So they did. They filmed the pilot episode first uh, to garner attention. And I, I hopped on August of last year when they were filming two through eight. Um, and so it was all filmed locally, a couple places in Wisconsin. And um, we, you know, uh, found a lot of different people to play extras for us. There were a lot of battle scenes that we had to get extras for. And so it was, um, it's, it's uh, Lord of the Rings uh, type of style fantasy. Swords and horses and yeah, no horses yeah. unfortunately, but oh, lots of well. lots of lots of swords, lots of uh, travel through the woods. We spent a lot of time, a lot of time filming in the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but some magic. Yeah, it's got a little bit of everything. Are you done with principal f- photography with it? We are done with principal photography. So it's okay. all in post right now, which uh, <laughs> Godspeed to our editor. He's got hours and hours and hours of <laughs> film to look through. But um, So and then you're, you're going to be in front of the camera with that as well. Uh, I was a pirate extra for okay. one one smidgen of a scene is my is my acting experience with that. <laughs> But, but you, when you get in there, but you're mm-hmm. going to be part of the production. So you're going to be, yeah. uh, you're, are you an assistant director to that too? Yes, I was okay. the assistant director for that. So you it was re- huge. You have to remind people, I think because we have a lot of people that are interested in movies, it, what entirely entails being assistant director, because it's almost like you just stand next to the director and get his coffee, but there's a little more to there's that. so much more to that. <laughs> um, the best summary that I can give for an assistant director is I'm a time lord in a sense. Uh, because a lot of what I do, uh, and I still don't understand everything that goes with the job, I'm still learning, but a lot of what I do is making schedules, um, keeping people to the schedules, especially directors and, and DPs, because they, they have a vision, they really want to get things perfectly, and I want that too, but also we need to get out of here at a reasonable hour for everybody else that's here. So You're probably much some the person with the... The microphone, but the where I got two minutes. Oh yeah, yeah. yep, exactly. And then we're moving on. <laughs> there, yeah. there is a lot of that. Yes, yeah. and you're one that's shouting in the makeup trailer. Mm-hmm. You guys were. <laughs> yep, yep. And you got you got ten minutes. And often what I do, and uh, not in a way to be rude to anybody at all, but often if I need people in in you know, the ten minutes, I tell artists that they have five, or like same thing with just to help. You know, it's 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 more helpful to uh, say a little bit less time than we actually have, because then more often than you're going to get things the time that you want it. I always do that when I do my films, because especially when you fill out your sheets, you know, mm-hmm. what you're going to do for the day, your daily sheets or your roll calls, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, well, when we work out and I go, how long do you think we're going to be here? And I will say maximum six. Mm-hmm. But in my heart, I'm thinking we're leaving by four. Yeah. And so yep, I'll exactly. say six, but we're going to get out of here by four. And that helps everybody because nobody wants to stay later than what the paper yeah, says. Exactly. That, even if they're mm-hmm. passionate about it. Yep. But I'll say six just in case, okay, we missed something or, you know, whatever. But in reality, we're leaving by four o'clock. And that makes everybody psychologically feel better. Yeah. 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 Or I want everybody here by eight. Then I'm, ah, 
let's say seven. <laughs> and then I'm late at seven thirty. I yeah. know. What mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chop chop. <laughs> yeah. So let's get a little bit of background to you. So when did you start with movies? Do you remember? Um or so, the inkling that you want to be participate in kind of this movies. Yeah. So I I grew up watching movies from so I've loved movies since I was very, very, very little. But I think I knew I wanted to participate in movies. I think it was middle school, like eighth grade or so, maybe. I watched it behind the scenes on Lord of the Rings, and um, which is a current favorite of mine still to this day, Lord of the Rings. If you know Dan, it's a big shock to everybody. (laughs) Right, (laughs) Larry. Yeah, everybody already knows it. (laughs) Um, uh, But so I saw behind the scenes where like, Gandalf would be standing on a block for this shot to look taller or something like that. And there's just a lot of practicals and ways to achieve certain looks that as someone that loves fantasy, it was like I was watching that and I thought this is like probably the closest thing on this actual earth that we have to magic. And so then I wanted to. Yeah, because Lord of the Rings, they did a lot of what they did for the movie Elf, that Mm -hmm. point of view shot. Yes. To make... You know, Bob Newhart looks smaller than what yeah. he really is. A little than you uh-huh. know, Will Ferrell is a lot larger than anybody else. Mm-hmm. But it's that depth perception trickery yes. cinematography. Yeah, where everybody, you know, you stand right here, but a couple of feet back. Yeah, right. It's why the first filmmakers were magicians. Yeah, they knew exactly. To, they knew how to do it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's real life magic that I get to do. You know, every or not every day, but. Well, just I remember often. when I was—I remember when I was five or six. I remember as a kid thinking that movies just spontaneously happened. That maybe somebody—I I didn't know that what a camera was, but somehow maybe uh-huh. I'm in a movie, so I better act like I'm in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere out there, I didn't. Maybe yeah. I thought drones yeah. had a time, but for anything, like, somebody's making a movie about me somewhere. I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I always go out looking your yeah. best. You know, you never know. But primarily, what I would say about narrowing down because you're such. Have your fingers in a lot of things, in a lot of disciplines. Yeah. Are you, do you prim- primarily regard yourself as a writer, though? Uh, it's my first love out of everything, yeah. So it's, it's I always describe myself as a writer first. It's, it's the discipline I feel the most skilled in, have the most knowledge in, have the most resources for. It's just the thing I've been pursuing the longest. I started writing in seventh grade. I don't know why I remember that specifically, but seventh grade was when I knew. I'm going to pursue writing some more. Well, you know, me as a comic book illustrator, I merely Mm -hmm. just did a story just so I could draw it. I didn't care what the story was. I just had something. You have to have something to draw. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then you feel like maybe your story should maybe be interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So at seventh grade, you start writing like a book form? It was novels first. Yeah. But then... I quickly discovered one of the th- my least favorite thing about novel writing, and kudos to those that can, like <laughs> token, but like describing things, like settings or, you know, all that type of stuff. I I'm just, only laughing because I'm recognizing <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm not good at it. I don't like spending the time doing it. So thank God, I think it was the end of senior year is when I discovered screenwriting or that I could screenwrite instead. And that's more dialogue-based, character-based, which is what I was really after when I wanted to write anyway, was compelling characters. And like screenwriting, you get to focus a little bit more on that. Well, you and I, I'm sure we've read a bunch of scripts. You can get very detailed. 
Yes. Or it can get very basic, mm -hmm. depending on how you, there's really a lot of gray area. So mm -hmm. books, you can go pages and pages describing the food, George R. R. Martin. <laughs> or Cormac McCarthy <laughs> does pages describing great detail about yeah. a gun. Yeah. I don't really care. Mm -hmm. But then when you can do it for screenwriting, it's kind of the intention of the director. Yeah. And that's kind of the communication of like, if, unless you want to sell the script, mm -hmm. then I think you have to ease back on details. Yeah. But if you know if you're going to be the director, if you know the director, then you probably want a little more detail exactly what you want, mm -hmm. maybe the shot or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little more flexible, I would yeah. say. It's um, so nice. Book form. <laughs> yeah. 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 So no more. Do you still entertain the idea of doing a book, though? Not really. Sometimes no. I had an idea a little while ago. I think it'll still work for film. But I was thinking about it and thought that it would only work as a book, just as the style of story it was. Yeah. But I I found a way to turn into a movie anyway. Well, <laughs> if it's there's that movie that came out called Perfume, which is based on a book. And okay. He's it's all about sensories of how he smells didn't translate very well to movie because yeah. it's the one sensory that we just don't get. Hmm. And I think it's perfect for book form because you can go very detailed how mm -hmm. he gets stimulated by certain smells and stuff like that. But for the movie, I don't care. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It doesn't translate it very well. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things I think would be beneficial. Yeah, I agree. To book form, mm -hmm. especially if it's like inner dialogue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was surprised Hunger Games for that reason turned out as well as it did because a lot of it's Hunger Games head, was, right? it was all in her head. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But the movie the did a great job. I read the first one, Susan Collins. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's another thing But if you want to be a writer, especially if it's somebody who wants to be a writer listening, you have to start reading and not just stick to a genre, reading other stuff, mm -hmm. even books, other screenplays, and just yeah. like... Even if it's somewhere where you don't want to be, it's uncomfortable. Like, I don't want to read this. Yeah. Read it. Yeah. yeah. You do. You so. gotta. I used to pull up a screenplay. There's websites that you can pull up free ones sometimes. And then I'd put the movie on at the same time and read bits and then watch that bit just to kind of see that translation. Yeah. Which it was, I don't, I don't know exactly what it taught me, but it was just fun to see, you know, how something that was written was translated. Uh, yeah. Especially with the masters, like how did they know when to end a scene mm -hmm. or when to come back mm -hmm. or when to cut it? Yeah, right? yeah. Or what was what was actually described in the script and what wasn't? And I think that helped maybe determine what's important to describe versus not. Maybe is why I did that. Right. Right. Yeah. Are you comfortable? You still writing? Do you I am still writing. Okay. So yeah, still I have a feature it. in the works. Fingers crossed. All right. <laughs> do you do? Um, during the day or at night? Mornings, usually. Are you a morning? I am a morning person. All right. <laughs> I know my, my friend Kyle Gothy's left thing. He's a daytime writer. Uh, ah. Yeah. I try to whenever I can. It's often either in the morning because I like to get up. I like slow mornings. I hate getting up and getting ready right away. So if I can get up a little bit earlier, then oh I like to Oh my God, you definitely writing. are a writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't so, pressure me. I'll get it there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, sometimes in the evenings too, at the end of the day, I'll pull it back I out and write some more. I don't get any of my writing done until I participated in the day, mm -hmm. until I have all the activities done, and then I can get down to my basement, and then I can pull the shades and I can just, I have to have distraction, turn my phone off, whatever. Ah, okay. And then I just start writing because, you know, 
gotcha. I have, you know, I'll be writing and all of a sudden I'll check Twitter and like, damn, what are you doing? What are you doing that for? Get back. Yeah. I could do that a little bit more. I do like to put a movie on or something in the background while I write for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. Some kind of music or something like Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. But I also out, I out my dialogue. Oh. So I will out my dialogue. So it's almost, I think my neighbor's probably think i have some kind of disability or disorder <laughs> yeah i will speak my lines and then before i write them so yeah. i don't it, it's doesn't seem that you're able to decipher that maybe this can you if you watch something like this probably was written during the day or something written at night hmm. i'll give you my little hint i know for a fact true crime is written at night that ah. is nighttime writing okay because it's so quiet and it's ah. so dark Okay. Even when it's bright out. But when I usually say usually people that write during the day, their scripts are just a little bit busy, a lot uh, more commotion. Uh, I guess it makes sense. Does it make sense to mm-hmm, you? A little more mm-hmm. a spark to them? Yeah. Yeah. Rather than a little more solemn to a yeah. night writer. It's not 100% scientific for me. Right. <laughs> it makes sense, though. Yeah. Because you got to get in a certain mindscape for things. So I'm sure like Enchanted was written during the day. I think that's, oh, that's day writing for yeah. sure, right? That is day writing. You're not right. You're not staying up at 3 a.m. Like, how, does, how can I hurt this character? Right. <laughs> so true. Well, that's another interesting point because Enchanted works as she's almost recognizes she's in a story. Yeah. And that's that, once a con- we call it conscientious character. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you almost have that in every story. Somebody that knows they're in a story. Yeah. Almost that they know their roles and what they have to do. Mm-hmm. I think the most famous one is Perf- Commissioner Gordon always knows. I think he's kind of yeah. the conscientious character. Okay. He knows he's in this, but he has to, but he has to do with yeah. it. Yeah. 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 Those stories are interesting. So when you write, do you do outlines? Uh, I like to do outlines. They don't always come out first. What comes out first to me, I always go for characters first characters and then once I have a name for them that's when I know that the story is going to go somewhere but I recently have read Save the Cat and I'm trying to kind of do some more of that type of outlining it makes sense to me and the we way another screenwriter go. that mentioned Save the Cat ah yeah yeah it's very popular I think a lot of people tend to know about it or a lot of people recommend it which it makes sense just the different story beats I so the feature I'm working on the first draft I didn't really use that very much at all. Um, But then for as I went into editing, I blocked it back out using that Save the Cat. And it helped helped make sure I was keeping things in a direction. So I like outlining. Well, outlining is almost like a template. Like Mm -hmm. here's the plate. I'm going to put the food on it almost. right? And then Mm -hmm. when we want to change the plate, it's just something to visually see where you want to do with it. Yeah. yeah. My next question I always like to ask writers, do you have an ending in mind or do you like to work towards the ending? I like to have an ending in mind. Um, and it uh, it doesn't always end up that way. So this feature that I started, I had an ending in mind. And then as I was writing, it didn't go there. But it's hard for me to feel ready to write something if I don't know where it's going or what the different steps are, which is okay. kind of why I like an outline too. Um because I, I like to make sure that I have a theme that I'm really excited to tell or lesson or what have you, a character that makes sense, and then some sort of ending. And endings come 
very strongly visually to me too. I can picture them usually pretty easily. So right. having, you know, if I have that direction, usually that that's when I feel ready to actually start typing it out. Uh, before we recorded, I had like, we mentioned my three criterias when I was like, yes, where when you're writing it, are you, sh- you know, Hemingway always said, are you showing me where it hurts? Mm-hmm. Um, Kurt Vonnegut always said, I want your characters to want something right away. I don't care what it is. Even if it's a glass of water. And then most importantly, is your characters searching for the authentic selves mm-hmm. or learning something about themselves? Maybe they're, right. they think they can do this. Let's Lord of the Rings. I didn't think I was going to be a hero, but here I am. Right. Yeah. Or I'm, I can change the world and how little I am, but I can do mm-hmm. big things. Yeah. So those are good. Those are good qualifications. I've heard the who wants what and why, and then uh, what's standing in the way of that. What is the obstacle? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's my famous, my famous Elmer Leonard because he somebody talked about. It, he goes, well, nobody wants to read about the happy little elves who pay their taxes on time and come right. to work. Right. Yeah. That's not exciting. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the one that doesn't pay his taxes on time, though. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, primarily, I think a lot of people misinterpret protagonist antagonist equals hero and villain. Protagonist is simply who's following. Who are we following? Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to do the. Like we talked about with my yeah. friend Kyle, is pretty much the protagonist is what Greeks say, pushing up the boulder. Antagonist mm-hmm. is one is throwing it back down. Yeah. And I think a lot it's of times we get visual. it wrong that protagonist equals hero. And so do you have that kind of sense of clarity in mind? Do you figure out a protagonist first or you go antagonist first? Uh, I go protagonist first usually. I have a Pinterest board that I save pictures and stuff on like if they're drawn or they're real portraits if I'm scrolling and there's one that like speaks to me like a a character doesn't always pop up right away but like that could be a character then I save it Um, and then what happens is so like for the one I'm currently working on there was a picture and then there's usually a world of some sort based on that picture that I imagine them fitting in and then the next step for whatever reason that's just very, very important to me is figuring out a name that matches the vibe that I get from that character or what have you. That's, you know, it's, it's, I can't explain why I need that, but I can't, that it never really goes much further than the character for an idea. If I don't have a name that matches that character. I have to agree because I think even if you're, even if you're doing a script, everybody mm-hmm. needs a name. Mm-hmm. I don't like that policeman two or policeman yeah. three or whatever. Yeah. Give them person names so we have mm-hmm. something that we recognize for them. Yeah. And we always have a perception of, of something behind that name, mm-hmm. what they what their abilities are. Yeah. And we can give that, okay, he's a Philip. Mm, Philip, mm-hmm. that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. be a visceral person or... A, right. A, yeah. Yeah. Names are so important to me. Just even in real life too, Mitch which is maybe why it matters to me for characters. My, so my next question, I don't know if you how you take it. Do you immediately go with gender right away? Or do you have like, maybe just flip it or something? Do you, you know, like for me, I primarily do male first. Yeah. It's just my nature. Uh-huh. But I always think, you can't have all dudes in your movie or you can't have guys. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. I force myself, I'm writing a book right now where the lead is a female. Mm. I think that's I'm trying to break my safety mm-hmm. there. Yeah. So that's my answer. Is it just, is it something that you are conscious of when you're writing? Uh, I think so. Uh, 
I am naturally drawn towards similar to you, but the opposite side. I'm naturally drawn to women first. Yeah. Um, and I think just being a woman, I'm fascinated by the complexity that we have and um, something that I'm very drawn to and what I go for, which is why I think I consciously choose women first, is I love the idea of women that are uh, meek and gentle, but still can be a strong protagonist. I feel like you don't see that a whole ton. Um, so that's a goal of mine just as a writer in general is to have those types of characters. So when I do write, I like to have those. I like when they're female and tend to go for that first. Sometimes they change, but I like to go for female first. Yeah, I mean, overall, <laughs> I think we've done the damsel in distress. Mm -hmm. It's over. I mean, we've so many times it's done. Yeah. If I could, I love Christopher Nolan, but he has to figure it out. Every movie is a damsel in distress, no matter what. You're gonna have to figure it out, dude. <laughs> It gets tiring. Yeah, it does. They can figure out their own things. Yeah. Yeah, um, exactly. My next thing, um, are you conscious of cliches? Are you able to incorporate them to movies? Do you work against it? Do you fight cliches? Is that something you were recognized or aware of when you're writing? Um, I'm aware of cliches. Um, I know that some are definitely overused and try to avoid um it's kind of going back to that wanting a meek, gentle heroine yeah. and showing the power in that because a lot of, I think, of women are, you know, given the oh, main character so role. Yeah. yeah. They're either delicate or if they're given the main character role, then they're this super like buffed out, I don't know, just uh, a very extreme version of a strong, militaristic, almost feeling type woman. Yeah. So I try to break that cliche of bringing softer women forward as, as leading ladies. Um, but I also know as far as like some cliches, as far as story structure sometimes, or like there, there are just things that work. And so I, I use them cause well, the, the, they the beats, work. Right. It's the, that, right. You, you know, bum, 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 bum. you got to mm -hmm. answer back. Bum, bum. Mm -hmm. Same like music. Yeah. 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 I, I still get a chuckle out that it's still that cliche is still being played. I still laugh at it that some guy has to point to the stars in the sky for her date, just like she's never looked up before. <laughs> oh, those are the oh, look at the stars. Look at them. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I will. They still use that one all the time. They go on a yeah. date and I go, he's gonna tell her to look at the moon. He's gonna oh, he did it there. Like there she's never is. seen it before, right? <laughs> oh, that's the star. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know, people eat that up. You know, so. <laughs> well, I know because if you talk about writing, there are certain beats and things, mm -hmm. especially for Hallmark movies, mm -hmm. Hallmark Christmases. You understand there's certain beats that they want incorporate that you yes. have to check off. Mm -hmm. There's certain, and you're going to have to dance into the little cliche of yep. the businessman's going to all of a sudden turn into oh, yeah. a lumberjack, and that's. Oh, the, yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Because people understand that, and you recognize that's a cl cliche, but mm -hmm. they like that thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's a negative cliche, but it's just something that. They react to. Right. It's almost like they know it's going to happen. But yeah. But they want to see it play out eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I play into them on purpose sometimes. And sometimes there are ones that you break because it works to break them. Right. You break rules when it works to break but it's them, just I think. People use them to get be lazy. Like, mm -hmm. how can I get this situation out? Well, yeah. Man, yeah. Yeah. Well, there's exactly. that ex machia. There's the rock in the floor. And all of a sudden, it knocked him on the head. And it was just in his reach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, none of that. Um, what kind of, so when you're writing, do you do genres? Are you think you're kind of trapped, do you, do you encapsulate genres? 
we talked about swords and all that stuff. Is mm-hmm. that what you're writing kind of form? Um, my current one is a period drama, but I a lot of my ideas do come from that medieval fantasy type of realm just because yeah. I like that a lot. I like the, um, the uh, uh, just uh, seemingly limitless limits of fantasy of all these different things that you can do. So I love that about that. Um, I like dramas in general. I'm really, I, I think I have a knack for that. Comedies is an area I know I don't have a knack for or feel like I don't have a knack for. So I try to steer away from those. So I know where my yeah. sweet spots are. <laughs> well, every every movie, we, I, we've always talked about this in a writer's workshop. Does every movie have a certain amount of comedy in it? I've, we try to, I can find a handful of movies that there's not one single thing that ever happens that's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. something has to happen. I mean, there are some funny bits in Lord of the Rings. Yes, it yeah. It gets a little bit awkward. That is very or, true. You know, and even pit. the one I'm writing, there's some... There's You try to throw in those funny moments, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So it's it's not necessarily... I uh, don't write for comedy, but you, you have to think about it sometimes. Like, you have to break it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I, for me, I can't think of a situation where... I'm thinking one movie, I think it was Leave Before Dawn, was about a guy who went to prison... Okay. And there was not really anything where you can go huh, at because it was serious and solemn. So I'm not saying you always have to be aware, always have to put comedy in your things, but I think it's something you have to consciously like, mm-hmm. now it's time to break up the little bit of emotion to it. Yeah. Well, I think it's a natural, if you think about just people in real life, that it's, if you're, to me, sometimes successful writing for dialogue, especially as if it can feel real. And it's just, it's real if you can throw in a joke here or there. You have people that want to break the tension, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's my next question before break is dialogue. Because your character's names, mm-hmm. but you want to give the authentic dialogue. I want to say like real world dialogue. Like yeah. That's a kind of misnomer that it sounds like it's real world, but it's real in the story. Mm-hmm. How you communicate. So, yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't ever say, what's up, sister, in, in real life, <laughs> yeah. but... <laughs> <laughs> that was my sister yeah because yeah. usually i just say what's up ass you know yeah <laughs> so but dialogue are you feel comfortable with it or are you still kind of for the most part i think something i can still learn in practice is um sometimes i think all of my characters can still sound similar like not not in a way where like you can't tell who's speaking but there are people i think that have a very good job of um knowing or figuring out how to like so person a talks in such a way almost like a a personal dialect that's obviously different from other people um instead of using the same lingo same jargon all that sort of stuff i i think i almost have it but i i know that i still could use some more practice with that i think i'm good at realistic dialogue it's just those nuances that are different between people those tiny ones i think i overthink mine Mm. too much like yeah. we're doing too much exposition we are being are we doing too much this are we trying to oh am i being too pretentious <laughs> and snotty am i writing just to sound like i'm a writer uh, right. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is my next thing i always talk about is if it sounds like writing mm-hmm. then you know what <laughs> yeah 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 well you've i've i mean i've read those where um like just there's a line that like it sounds good if you're reading it as writing, but when you try to speak it, it just doesn't feel natural yeah. at all to be spoken that way. That's why I do mine out loud. Because mm-hmm. if it just doesn't sound, if it yeah. sounds forced, yeah, and yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Or do you have to say something? I think right. movies sometimes get a little too dialogue heavy. Yep. Like I would agree. Just hold the scene and mm-hmm. shut the hell up. Maybe yeah. For a minute. You can't do that in a comic book world. You have to constantly. Oh, yeah. Keep things going. Because if you don't have no dialogue, then they're just going to read it and for like five seconds instead of five minutes, and then you're done. If you have no dialogue, then mm-hmm. that's good artwork. But, yeah, yeah. But but movies, you can hold things without saying very much yeah. for a yeah. long time. Yeah, and those are some of the best ones, I think, when you say a lot without saying anything. Yeah. The first, well, we just critiqued for my show, kind of like on film, we just critiqued Drive. Okay. If you haven't seen it yet. Uh, with not. Ryan Gosling, who's okay. a stunt driver, but he moonlights as a getaway driver for criminals. Ah. So if you can find him and hire him, okay. If you're doing a robbery, he'll be the driver for you. But he's a stuntman. But the first, I think the first 15 minutes, there is no dialogue. Okay. But I'm sure that's about 10 pages of script. Right. Yeah. Just because how detailed of the events what's transpired because he's actually doing the job, but she mm-hmm. shows how talented he is. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. That's one thing I want to talk to you before I go to break. Also, do you write when your characters like a talent? Like what they have a talent for, because I naturally sometimes I do it with mine. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes I watch movies like they'll say somebody's really talented. I was like, I haven't seen their talent. You're telling me, <laughs> but I don't believe you. Mm. And I think you have to be wary of every character has some kind of just like mm-hmm. in this world has some kind of talent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I like to um, when designing a character. I like to talent or quirk or what have you that there's something unique about them that they're really into um like there's uh i borrowed this one from a girl i follow on tiktok her character loved caramel apple pops and so then i I, there's a character for a story wes and i are trying to write (laughs) um that i was like oh that's cool she's kind of grungy she's gonna love caramel apple pops and so that it's just a little thing that you can throw in in the script she's it's, you know, if she's thinking on something, maybe she has right. a caramel apple pop or something like that. Or am It's I... her own little re- self-reward. Yeah, exactly. Like so, if you think of her character, I want you to kind of think of, you know, caramel apple pops. Or my current feature, she loves wildflowers. So there's, she just knows a lot about them, flower language. Like it doesn't always come up, mm-hmm. but it's just something that you know. It's that little extra thing about her to make her feel more real. What's her talent? Or can't you tell yet? It's going to spoil it. Well, she, uh, her talent is that she she does write, but she also, she understands the language of flowers. So she, you know, how uh, there's, you can give flowers to people to mean something, to say something without saying it. She know, knows all of that. But it's a visual for the audience to understand how they can, mm-hmm. how she can communicate them without saying anything is with the flower, how she interprets them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, or recognizes something with herself. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. All right, I'm going to take a short break and back more with Dana. Well, hello everyone. I am Billy D's from the self-titled Billy D's podcast. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and many more of the best podcast networks. Join me for my commentary and interviews. Follow me on Twitter, really easy to find, at Billy D's. I am Billy D's. I'd love to have you listen in. Welcome back. And now more with the show. Thank you. 
Okay, we're ready back with Dana. So, horror movies is not your thing. No. <laughs> I don't like right. watching them, but I've worked on plenty of them. <laughs> but you got to break your safety, right? You got to break safe. You got to challenge yourself. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always talk about, my. I talk to my wife, you want to, how, how we recognize we're not getting older, but you, you have to do something new. You have to learn something new. Mm-hmm. Even if it's all new social media, it's a movie that maybe you never want to watch. I'm not going to watch it. And for me, it's music. We oh, always talk about music. Okay. Kind of When you get to your 40s, yeah. you're not interested in pop music anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm still trying to invest like what's new music, what's the new things. So, oh, cool. Um, and it's just a way of learning. So you're not trapped. You're not yeah. stuck into a repetition. Yeah. I think that helps you not age. That's what yeah. I'm learning new Makes things sense. And break your safety out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do that with some things where it's, uh, especially if it's something related to something I'm already doing. So I cosplay a little bit but I don't yeah. know how to sew my own clothes and stuff. So I'd love to, that's something on my to-do list is to learn how to do that. Well, I'll pitch it to you. If you didn't, guys didn't know, listen, I'm going to be at Twin Cities Con this year. Okay. Twin Cities Con is coming. If you got to look up, it's November, I think the 11th, second week in November here. Okay. Yeah. You'll see Twin me at Cities a table. Con. And you got to cosplay there. <laughs> They're always at contests. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Give it a go. It's at the Minneapolis <laughs> Convention Center, if you know how to get oh, there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I know where that is. Three-day event. Okay. So I'm tabling over there. If you anybody cool. listening wants to come over and say hi. Yeah. yeah. Let's go say hi to Nick, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so costuming, that's mm. another part about writing that we haven't talked about yet. Mm. Costuming. Mm-hmm. So do you write that as part of your talent, your character, costuming as well? Are you aware of that? Do you kind of leave like an outline sometimes? Because you know the movie's going to get to the, you want costume designers really kind of mm-hmm. show their creativity. Mm-hmm. But... Um, costuming is it kind of something you have to write about as well you're thinking about i always have uh just like a general idea of what i picture a character wearing i make um i call them story bibles because i've heard them called that before <laughs> but it's uh um so like i create a mood board for characters including like what they would wear and like um in my feature, Naomi's her name. She's a huge reader, so I collect books that she would read, stuff like that. So it's more, I use it more for myself as I'm writing. Um, I don't describe it a lot in the script so much. Um, yeah. But it, it's it's always something on my mind. And if I were to direct it or if I were to collaborate with a director, then it's something I would definitely get a little bit more descriptive on. But yeah. But I think it's something you have to be at least aware of. I mean, mm-hmm. what are they going to be? Especially right. if they're going somewhere elegant. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, usually, if they're going to a ball, it's understand what, okay, about a female character, what they mm-hmm. want to wear, what they're going to emphasize right. when they're wearing yeah. the dresses. Yeah. Well, I learned somewhere once, and it's actually been really helpful, is someone said that when you're coming up with characters, uh, one was coming up with their Hogwarts house, so I do that. But the the additional thing that's related to costumes is they said to th- think about and describe the kind of shoes that they wear. And so I started doing that. And it's interesting to think about. And I haven't really seen it until I've described multiple characters, but it different characters mm-hmm. d- describing what the kind of shoes that they would wear helped describe like their type of style or what they might do for work or the type of, you know, um, what social class they might be in. So but that's, it also challenges what their gait's going to be. Mm-hmm. With, especially yeah. With the, yeah. So that's a cool, fun little thing that I never thought about before until I read that and I started doing it and it's been immensely helpful. 
in character <laughs> creation. It's crazy. Because there's so many things you have to juggle when you're writing, like whether where the good hands going to be. I always kind of when I write character, you know, my stories, even for comic books, where's their hands going to be? It's, mm. it's not a weird thing to say, but even when actors, sometimes you get on a set and actors yeah. like, where are my hands going to be? Like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, yeah. Because you can't keep them off your face. You can't, yeah. So mm, sometimes mm-hmm. I almost put a little footnote for myself, like where ah, their hands are going to be, because it's yeah. especially for sketching and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's always about the gestures, mm-hmm. you know, or Harrison Ford, you're just pointing at somebody. Right. I write gestures in my, in my scripts a lot too for that similar reason, I think. Like they're yeah. grabbing this or they're waving or they're, I don't know. I do a lot of gestures. Do you do uh, attached to your script storyboarding? Uh, no, not a lot recently. Sometimes if uh, I storyboarded before closer to when I wanted to produce something. Yeah. But through the writing process, I don't do a lot of storyboarding. Oh. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do storyboards, so. Yeah. If you ever bored. Well, I mean, it's because I don't have the drawing skill. So <laughs> if someone else, you know, like you yourself, you can draw. <laughs> Great. I, yeah. Well, I think it helps. I know it's an, some people don't do it, mm-hmm. especially if you're doing a short film. They don't have the time and patience and everything. But it's a nice way of giving somebody a storyboarding to say, okay, I like their perception, but not that. It's another mm-hmm. catalyst because it's always a visual thing we're mm-hmm. doing. So storyboarding gives you options of maybe you don't like that, but then your brain's working like, okay, he thinks that way. I wasn't thinking about that way when I was writing it. How about we do it this way? Yeah. Or I never thought about that way when I was writing it. Let's do it that way. Okay. Yeah. 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 So so do you think about camera angles when you're writing? Sometimes. Not not a ton. Again, that's another thing I think about more as I'm um, thinking about producing something. But I do... This makes sense. I do think of like which direction of the room I'm looking at. So I, you know, because of the background in film, there's that 180 that you generally tend to stick to. Yeah. So I can always picture what that 180 is. And I, I, uh, whenever I write a first draft, I'm always like, this person stands on this side of the room because I'm picturing it as I write it. And then yeah. I take them out later and edit because, you know, directors or whatever don't need that. But I do have that 180 that I'm kind of, picturing things in as i write rather than angles yeah well it, we always talk about we're writing but then we're kind of in looking back on it we're actually editing mm-hmm. what we're yeah. taking out or what we're adding right mm-hmm. and then you always edit what you have you can't edit what you don't have so yeah. you always want to write more than what you need yeah you know? yeah 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 totally like i had naomi sits here and then her brother sits on her left and so-and-so sits on her right, and then it's just stuff you don't really need in the general premise of a script and a final draft of a script. But for myself as a writer, it helps to visualize where things are to help write the story further. So I like to yeah. put them in a first draft. I know uh, Stephen King always says don't read other people's stuff when you're writing. Is that you kind of follow that rule also? Uh no, I read other people's stuff all the time. <laughs> I I feel really inspired and learn from everybody that I read. So like Wes Johnson, I read a lot of his stuff. Mm-hmm. I learn a lot from his stuff. Um, my friend Allie Purdom does writing, so I would read her stuff and learn a lot from that. Yeah. I I it doesn't make sense to me that you wouldn't <laughs> read other people's stuff. While I think you're in writing. the process, you don't want to. That's what he meant when you, especially when you're writing, take a break and then go read somebody else's material that bleeds into your own things. You try to keep it as original as possible. No, I don't worry about that. No, I know. I, I yeah. don't. I always read all the time, and I think mm-hmm. that's one thing. If you want to be a writer, get in the habit of just constantly reading. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because you find, I think the most important thing to do, it sounds counterproductive. You have to find out your style. Yes. Because so much we judge are like, God, I just, it doesn't sound good, but you have to find out what your style is Mm -hmm. first and foremost. Absolutely. So you kind of figured out your style a little bit. Uh, I think so. And Wes read something of mine that was supposed to be anonymous in a contest once during COVID. They did this contest that he was a judge for. And he read my script and he told me that he knew instantly that it was mine. (laughs) 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 So I, uh, you know, based on that, I think I do have a style. And just from my own understanding, I think I do. It's it's my, I don't know if it's my style or my habit, Mm. but the character I start out with doesn't seem to be the main character at the end. Oh. It's constantly happening all the time. And yeah. I did it with my book, The Greenway, and you follow one character, but eventually that character arc maintains throughout it, but the concentration goes somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a style or just I have it like, oh, gosh, okay, this is just not the focal point anymore. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know if it's not correct whatever i don't care but it's just naturally that okay this started with this guy right but now he's insignificant anymore huh or this person that's just kind of the way things happen yeah so, so. we can always expect plot twists with your writing as well yeah we or un- our title of my story is not gonna be a name because it's just not gonna be that- <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the story is just not gonna be that person because like, right <laughs> then they get upset like you named it tim we followed tim for the first 10 minutes and then he went away what's <laughs> <laughs> but style i think it's most important i mean mm-hmm. um, i think it's really important and we talked i critiqued uh tarantino and tarantino uses dialogue constantly mm-hmm. uses dialogue in fact even like overtures in movies where you have the music mm-hmm. that's his time to use dialogue is you know he replaces overtures with dialogue ah, okay. and i think that and then he deciphers how can i break up the rules of writing as i'm doing it I don't yeah. know. I don't think he has an ending in mind. I think he probably writes to an ending. Huh. So, and like you said, you have an ending in mind. I do. I, I don't do think have, I can write without one. <laughs> I always have an ending in mind, but then like everybody, the second act, you have to figure out what we're going to do there. Mm-hmm. Because the first act's easy. The third act's easy. The yeah, second the act second is like, act is so hard. What are we going to do? We can't throw a car chase in there just to... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> indie filmmakers we can't just have a car chase like everybody else and just right. hire the stunt people and yeah fill the uptime, yeah right? yeah and mine the second act was so hard because so um my my feature film takes place in 1900 rural minnesota and uh the protagonist finds her life boring and tries to find adventure on the frontier and so then act two is all about traveling on the frontier which is you know into the dakotas and if you've ever been there, I think it's gorgeous, but it's it all, is flat. it's flat and it's grass and it's wildflowers sometimes, maybe a stream or brook here or there, but yeah. that's, that's it. And so to make that part of the story exciting or at least hold interest was so hard. Especially <laughs> in the environment, because you could see for miles, mm-hmm. it's just flat. There's very little yeah. things to hide behind. So it's that openness yeah. that your character almost visually is almost presenting that there's mm-hmm. an openness to that that you really can't shield anything yeah. away from yeah. yeah whereas first and third act you know you got your exciting stuff happening between your characters and it's 
Yeah, act two is a bitch. <laughs> I don't know if I can swear on here, but... <laughs> well, that's kind of... It's almost subplotting, right? Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, do you worried about the subplotting? Um, I, uh, not always, because I kind of planned it. Save the Cat calls it your B-plot. So I knew that there was some sort of subplot that I wanted in there, mm-hmm. um, which which helped figure out what your what my beats in Act Two were. But yeah. yeah. All right. How do you know when a scene is done when you're writing? Uh, <laughs> this is probably the most unhelpful answer, but <laughs> when it feels done. <laughs> I, so like when I write a scene, um, I took away from some, uh, Aaron Sorkin did a master class that I took and he's a great writer. I learned a lot from him. And one of the things that he said was that your scenes, save the cat does this too, but there always has to be, there's, there's cat, your characters in your scenes, no matter what, want something yeah. and whatever is happening in that scene has to achieve or not achieve that something. And so I guess that's kind of the feeling I go for is when, when has this been talked about enough? Like when, when's the silent decision maker that either she got this thing or she didn't get this thing out of this interaction, I guess. Yeah. But it's most, it's mostly felt out and it comes out of sometimes I talk through the dialogue too, or imagine sometimes too, I imagine the pacing if it was in a movie, like if like oh this is dragging on like forever or this felt too short like it didn't achieve the purpose right it has we always, it just we always feels feel like we, right. always, we always feel like it's too short mm-hmm. i want so much more but they're just gonna cut it yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're just gonna cut it that's the whole point is i think you have to write more than you think is going to be presented mm-hmm. or if you're interested in selling scripts you got to be kind of a little more vague than you mm-hmm. think it's going to be because they're going to actually put their fingerprints in somewhere. Oh, yeah. 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 Especially when you have a style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Aaron Sorkin, I like, one thing about his style is it's always like a revisited theme. Mm-hmm. So, like, Molly's Game, definitely about the Crucible. They even talk about the movie, The Crucible, the play The Crucible. And yeah. She treats herself like, I'm The Crucible. I'm the, the yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's his kind of style. He revisits the theme and then incorporates it incorporates it into his scripts mm-hmm. so yeah and yeah, also he's he has writer. almost like aware almost like the writers are aware the characters in his writing are aware that they're being written ah it's yeah. a great yeah. way of putting it yeah mm-hmm. so yeah i'm looking forward to the movie you have so the the one that you and wes are working on all this other yeah. stuff you got you got a file system or is this scattershot <laughs> all over the place uh <laughs> all of mine are organized uh the ones with wes Uh, (laughs) I mean this in the kindest way it's just we have a lot of really big ideas and so he and I it's because we're inspired by a lot of different things and we're inspired by each other it's our minds always go in different directions and our ideas are so big and so there isn't really a way to categorize them yet just because they're so big yeah um so that's the only reason why I say that uh for, for mine that I write myself, like I said, I keep story Bibles. So if I have an idea that I'm brainstorming, I keep it there. I have a separate folder. I'm just, I'm very organized about everything. I just feel more in control that way. So I have like an early concepts folder for the ideas that are like, they're just little baby ideas that don't have okay. a clear direction yet. So I, I have a notebook that I write them into. I just, I like to keep 
my stories organized. It's just how I feel like I have control over them. Because they're your kids. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're my kids. Some of them never make it past that early concepts folder. They stay babies forever. And some of them... And you got to kill them. <laughs> yeah, yep. Going to kill your babies. Sorry, babe. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to talk with you, Dana, yeah, about writing and all this. Yeah, this fun. Yeah. That's, yeah, I learned actually a great deal. And actually, I'm ready to go back to writing right now. I'm yeah, talking oh, with you. Yeah, me too. I've been working on my edits like crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having, uh, coming over and yeah. uh, breaking the ice. Um, thanks for having me. I love this. Is this is fun. <laughs> um, Dana. Dana. I just did it. I did it. All right, Dana. <laughs> it's not over till the guests say it's over. Hmm. Well, it's over. Ah, there we go. <laughs>